right, praise God. Well, I have to admit I'm uh, somewhat out of sorts this morning in one respect. I, uh, I'm a jacket kind of guy. I like wearing jackets. And when I uh, tried to put on the jacket that I brought with me this morning, I realized that I picked up Drew's jacket. And I went, <laughs> And I, I have to tell you, it's so weird because I have preached in a jacket for years. And so for me to be standing before you like this without a jacket almost feels like one of those dreams that you have when you go to school and you're in your, your pajamas, right? When I put that jacket on, I realized I wasn't going to be able to put it on. I was like, oh my gosh, it's one of those dreams. What's that? Maybe I have been set free. I've been set free from jackets. We'll see. All right. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time together. And we just, uh, oh, we love you so much, Lord. And we love your word. And so uh, as we open it up today, Lord, I just ask that you would bless this time, Lord. Open the eyes of our hearts, Lord. Let us see with spiritual eyes and hear with spiritual ears. Give us hearts and minds that comprehend and understand what your spirit is saying to our spirits. Let deep call to deep today, spirit to spirit. I pray, Lord God, that as your word is proclaimed, that it would hit its mark. It would not return void, but it would accomplish the purpose for which it is sent, and it would yield a harvest of righteousness for your namesake for every single person sitting here. There's not a single person sitting here, Lord, that would not go away today having been changed in some respect in their lives. Let this not just be a religious exercise, Lord, but let the power of your Holy Spirit speak to us today. Let us be changed and challenged and inspired in your presence today, Lord God. And we look forward to what you have to say to us in your word now. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We'll turn to our master text in Matthew 14. And while you're turning there, um, I just want to say that we're going to continue a thought process that we began last week uh, in this series when we began talking about how pride will try to disguise itself and go unnoticed. So uh, we're going to continue talking about when pride tries to hide this morning. And we're just going to talk about one more way that pride tries to hide today, so we'll just cover one. And I'm hoping in this teaching to accomplish two things. Number one, reveal, as I said, yet another area in our lives where pride tries to go undetected. But secondly, inspire us that we can rise above where we are right now and be used of God in greater and ever-increasing ways. So I pray that God accomplishes those purposes of this morning and even then some. So let's go ahead and stand. And read our master text this morning. A little bit of a lengthier one today in in Matthew 14, verses 22 through 32. I'm reading from the NIV. You go ahead and follow along in whatever version you have. Verse 22. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, in other words, they'd been out there a long time fighting the the wind and the waves. This was in the middle of the night. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. 
But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. And all God's people say, Amen. amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Praise God. Well, one of the ways that pride tries to hide is thinking that you're too humble to ask God for big things, as Peter did there in that master text. So uh, again, the the principle that we're going to be talking about today is that one of the ways that pride tries to hide is refraining from asking God for big things. And I like like the subtitle on this book on the screen by uh, Julia Jeffers Sadler, Pray Big Things. And the the subtitle, The Surprising Life God Has for You When You're Bold Enough to Ask. Okay, so I I like that. And see, back to Peter in our master text, you know, Peter was bold enough to ask. He was bold enough to ask for something that others thought may have been impossible and even outrageous. But refraining from asking God for big things, folks, is not really humble. See, the reason why is because the mindset tends to be, God surely can't use humble little me, as if there are things that God can't do, (laughs) right? And that's an insult to God, first of all, but it's also self-centered, you see, because it doesn't take into consideration the needs in the world that God might want to meet through you, right? Let me say that again. Not being willing to ask for big things is somewhat self-centered because it does not take into consideration the needs in the world that God might want to meet through you. Now, some people think it's humble to imagine themselves as small and insignificant and say to themselves, well, you know, I don't want to presume too much. I'll just stay here in my little corner and uh, mind my own business. But you see, if we don't pray for big things, folks, then 100% of the prayers that you don't pray don't get answered. 100% of the prayers that you don't pray don't get answered. And then there are some things that God may have had in mind to accomplish in the world through you that don't get addressed. So at the very least... We need to be people who are at least praying for our church, that God will accomplish big things through this church to impact the community and the world in a really big way. Why not ask for that, at least that much? But God may want to make some significant impact in the world through you personally as well. You know, look, humility is indeed recognizing that, yes, I am nothing, I have nothing of any eternal value to offer, but God is all-powerful. And humility acknowledges the fact that he is well able to use someone even like you and like me, right? Now, on that note, Psalm 81.10 says, Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. 
The wider you open, the more he's able to get in there. The more he's able to get us, like those little baby chicks, you know, they're opening their mouths for their mama to feed them. The wider they open their mouths, the, the more that mama can fit in there. Open wide your mouth, God says, and I will fill it. So don't be afraid to dream big and then to ask big. Don't be afraid to dream big and to ask big. See, asking big puts confidence in a God who is able to do above and beyond what you or I could do on our own. I want to say that again. Asking big places your confidence, not in yourself, but in a God who's well able to to do above and beyond what you and I could do on our own. Now let's talk a little bit more about Peter here for a moment, because I want to make some observations about Peter that pertain to this teaching that I think will uh, help you and inspire us. You know, I'm inspired about Peter because I relate to Peter, because Peter was impetuous. Um, He talked before he thought thought a lot of the time. I'm, I have tended to be very much like that. You know, uh, just, you know, he's had some character issues, as we all do, right? So Peter was not Mr. Perfect. And the point that I want to make about that is that it wasn't Peter's merits that got him on the water with Jesus. It was his faith. It wasn't Peter's merits that got him on the water with Jesus. And I think that should be an encouragement to all of us. It was Peter's faith. See, Peter was the only one of 12 disciples who dared ask such an audacious request. The others were content to stay in that boat. See, Peter's big request had nothing to do with what he thought that he could accomplish on his own. As a matter of fact, Peter's big request was based solely on what Jesus could do through him. Peter's big request was based solely on what Jesus could do through him. Now notice that Jesus didn't correct Peter and he didn't deny Peter either when he made this request. See, when Peter made that request, what did Jesus say? He said, come. Exactly. And I can picture Jesus kind of beckoning to Peter when he said that. As a matter of fact, I think if this would have happened in more modern times, Jesus may have said something along the lines of, well, come on, Peter, let's do this thing. Because I think this excited Jesus. See, I know that as pastor, I get excited when people get it and their eyes are open to things. That excites me. So I know that Jesus must have been excited uh, that Peter was getting it. So see, Peter was the only one with enough faith to get out of that boat and come and join Jesus out where the only thing that Peter had for his survival was Jesus. And that's faith, folks. That's faith. See, Peter's request pleased God because it was showing such confidence in Jesus. Not confidence in himself, but confidence in Jesus. You see, folks, when we ask big, listen to this, when we ask big, when we ask something that we can't possibly do ourselves, it shows confidence in God's ability and no confidence in our own. See, it's not arrogant, you got to get this, It's not arrogant to ask big because if we ask according to God's will and we ask for big things for the sake of the advancement of his kingdom, then it shows and demonstrates that 
we have a desire to see God's kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? And it demonstrates how our only confidence is in God and not ourselves. Now, I like this passage here out of Ephesians 3, 21 and 22. Let's read it together. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So see, we serve a God who is able to do this, able to do uh, immeasurably more than all we could even ask or imagine. See, try to think the biggest thought you can possibly think right now about what God might be able to do in your life, what God might be able to do in the world through you. The biggest thought you can possibly think, God can do immeasurably more than that. (laughs) Isn't that wonderful? So there's, there's no limits on what he can do. And therefore, there's no limits on what he can do through you and me. He just has to have people that believe big and ask big. All right, so the principle that I want to give you here this morning um, as it relates to this in, about walking in faith and believing big and walking in more is to make ready. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, let's read a scripture here out of Isaiah 54, 2 and 3, when God was speaking to uh, the Israelites. And he said this, Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. He was telling them, go ahead and prepare for growth now. Even though you may not see the growth right now, prepare for it now by faith. So a principle here this morning that is important is that asking God to do big things may mean preparing in advance for increase by faith. Preparing in advance for increase by faith. You know, another passage of the Bible that we bring up from time to time here that really relates to this very, very well is in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 um, when Jehoshaphat was king over Judah and an an alliance of armies had a raid against him. There was three different vast armies that had joined forces and were ready to converge upon Judah and destroy it. And uh, there was a messenger that brought uh, that information to King Jehoshaphat and said, there's a vast army arrayed against you. And so they fasted and prayed. The whole nation of them fasted and prayed to inquire of the Lord as to what to do. And a prophet stood up and he basically said in so many words that you won't have to fight this battle, but the Lord will fight the battle for you. And he went on to describe some details about the victory that they would win if they would trust him. And notice, for those of you that have read that account in 2 Chronicles 20, that the people went down singing and praising the Lord before the battle, not after. Okay? See, the people didn't praise and sing to the Lord after the victory. They praised and sang to the Lord before the battle in faith. So when they got that word from the Lord through the prophet, they said, okay, we trust God, so we're going to go down and meet the enemy, but we're not going to put our best warriors on the front lines. We're going to put our singers 
and our praisers and our banner wavers, uh, our dancers on the front line, and they're going to go down and meet the enemy. And by the time they got there, those three armies attacked one another and annihilated each other, and not a single person survived. So see, they did that by faith. They prepared in advance and set out by faith, you see. They didn't praise after the victory. They praised before in faith. That's a really important principle right there. So whatever situation that you're in today, it's important that you just begin thanking God and praising Him, worshiping Him, and thanking Him for the victory in advance. Praise God. Now, I told you last week that when God was calling me to pastor, I prepared ahead of time by enrolling in a Toastmasters class in the hopes of getting comfortable with public speaking. And uh, I, I didn't even have a church yet when I did that. And as a matter of fact, I didn't even have any prospects of having a church. So I did what we see here in Isaiah 54. I enlarged the place of my tent. I stretched out my tent, tent curtains wide. I prepared in advance for the increase. So I did that by faith. And I made the preparations ahead of time, and then God took care of the timing. That's how that works. So faith will act first before you see the results. So that's how faith works. So, so faith, therefore, must have corresponding action. If you're believing God for something, faith must have corresponding action. In James chapter 2, verses 14 and 17, it says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds or corresponding action? So too, faith by itself, if it does not result in action, is dead. So sometimes you may be believing God for something, and God may be requiring some sort of action on your part first. And we see that sort of thing happening all over the Bible. Moses, as an example, uh, when they were at the edge of the Red Sea, God said to Moses, quit crying out to me, get moving. Do you remember that? And when he did, the waters opened up. So faith requires sometimes an act on your part first, and, and then we see the results. So, folks, faith is not some ethereal thing that can't be measured. Faith is tangible. In the book of James, chapter 2, that we just read from a little bit there, uh, James goes on to say, I'll show you my faith by what I do. I'll show you my faith by what I do. And we saw that with Peter. He had faith, but he had to act first on his faith. There's another person that did that, and his name was David. And he did this on several occasions. And the picture that you see there is a wonderful depiction. I love that picture right there, uh, uh, that painting of David facing Goliath and Goliath taunting him and saying, come on, little boy, I'm going to feed your carcass to the birds of the air today. And by faith, not because of any confidence that he had in himself, but by faith in the confidence that David had in God, he said, no, here's the way it's going to go. I'm going to kill you today, and then I'm going to take off your head and I'm going to feed your carcass to the birds. Now, did he say that because he was arrogant? No. He said it because of his confidence in God, you see. So the principle here that I want you to get your mind around today is that pride is self-limiting, but faith is boundless. Now, now, what do I mean by that? Well, it means that on our own, folks, we can only do so much. If you're just relying on yourself, that's self-limiting, 
You can only do so much. But with God, the Bible tells us, all things are possible to him who believes. And, of course, that describes what uh, David, uh, what happened when David faced Goliath. That describes what happened when Peter walked on the water with Jesus. See, there's absolutely, in, in those cases, those Those people had absolutely no confidence in their own ability in those cases. 100% of their confidence was in God alone. And that mobilized heaven on their behalf. Praise God. And folks, an important takeaway here is that if we only do what we can do in our own power and ability then we'll never do what we otherwise could do when we ask for things that are bigger than ourselves. And just trust God to bring those things to pass as we work for his kingdom advancement. I feel like I need to to say that again. If we only do what we know that we can do in our own power and ability, then we're going to be limited. We'll never do what we otherwise could do when we ask for things that are bigger than ourselves and believe God to bring those things to pass as as we work to advance his kingdom. Praise God. You see, a person who's operating in pride will only launch out to do what he feels like he can do well on his own. And in many cases, that means that he may not do very much if that particular person doesn't seem to have a whole lot of confidence in himself. Okay, see, in Peter's case, there were 11 other disciples in the boat beside him that day, but they chose to stay in the boat where they knew that they could at least hang on for dear life. They knew that they could at least on their own do that much, right? Well, you know, a lot of people, um, a lot of people think that a person who lacks confidence is humble. But let me give you a different perspective here, a different angle to consider. See, pride won't let you launch out beyond what you feel like you can do on your own because you don't want to feel disappointed or embarrassed if you fail. And that's pride. That's pride. It's all about how you look to others. But, look at the screen, humility places its confidence in God, not self. Are we making some progress this morning? And see, the humble person happens, if the humble person happens to miss it, talking about the humble person now, if the humble person happens to miss it and fail, well, you just chalk it up as experience and move on. See, fear of failure paralyzes people so often. But again, fear of failure is another manifestation of pride. Fear of failure is another manifestation of pride because it's, well, what are people going to think about me? It's quiet in here at this moment. Are you okay? All right. Hallelujah. Now, one way to stretch out your stakes, as it said there in Isaiah 54 that we read a moment ago, one way to stretch out our stakes is to simply start thinking of yourself differently. Start imagining the possibilities. Don't just think about the obstacles. I mean, obstacles are real, but don't just focus on the obstacles and say, well, I can't do this particular thing because of that, because of that. No, start imagining the possibilities. See, Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. 
So if you think that you're limited and I can't do this and I can't do that, well, that's exactly the, the manifestation that's going to, to come into your life. But if you start imagining the possibilities and saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, well, then those types of po the possibilities start to open up to you. Praise God. So that's one way we start to stretch out our stakes is just start thinking differently. Start thinking about possibilities. Enlarge your thinking. And sometimes you might have to ask God to help you with that. Now, I've asked God for that before. Lord, help me to begin to enlarge my thinking and enlarge my capacity to receive from you. Enlarge my capacity to start thinking like you think, Lord. See, instead of a lowly weakling, um, why don't we just start considering that we're children of the Most High God, folks. Yeah, hallelujah. Amen. And because he is in us and because he is for us, then like David, you know, we can start imagining ourselves doing anything and everything we need to do whenever we need to do it. As the Apostle Paul declared, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not because of his power or ability, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Now, listen. For that reason, don't ever say, well, I could never do that. Why? Folks, we have to start thinking bigger or else there's certain assignments on your life that God may have to give to other people who will cooperate with him. Did you hear what I said? There's certain assignments that are on your life if you don't cooperate with him out of fear and intimidation whatever's holding you back, God will have to give that assignment to somebody else who will cooperate with him, and they'll get the reward instead. We've got to start thinking bigger. We've got to start thinking bigger. Uh, you know, listen, folks. <laughs> if God can use a donkey, <laughs> to speak to a stubborn prophet... <laughs> He could use you and me. <laughs> okay? If God can use a former prostitute, if God can use a former tax collector, if God can use a bunch of rough-hewn fishermen, uneducated men, to change the world, then what's stopping you and me? See, if God has put something in your heart, why not ask him to use you to do that thing? and to bring it to pass for his glory. There's been people that have approached me from time to time, Pastor, we need to be doing this, and I've got this thing that I believe the Lord's given me. I think the, the church needs to take this on. And I'm like, the church doesn't need to necessarily take that on. If God gave that to you, you do it. <laughs> Folks, I'm one man. I can't do everything. And that's why God put us all together, because you all have different callings and talents and abilities, and together we're powerful. But if you just abdicate everything and push it over on one guy, guess what? It's never going to happen to the extent that otherwise could happen when people are working together. Praise God. So listen, if God can use Moses, a former murderer, 
A man of 80 years old when God called him. A man who was not an eloquent speaker, by the way, by his own admission. Well, why should you and I be afraid to step out? See, the only difference between Moses and a lot of other people is that Moses was willing to push his insecurities aside and just do what God said. And then trust God that he was going to bring those things to pass. But many people apparently don't have that much confidence in God. You see, on that note, I told you last week that, uh, about how Drew was so nervous to accept the invitation to pray at the National Day of Prayer. And uh, I told him, son, this is an assignment from God. And sometimes God calls us to do things that will stretch us, right? Because he wants us to rely on him. He wants us to rely on him. You know, when, going back to when God called me to pastor, there were some things that I thought that I did pretty well. I thought, you know, I was a worship leader at a previous church that I was at, and I thought I did that pretty well. And then God called me into pastoring. I'm like, um, Lord, um, I don't even like public speaking. I don't think, I, I don't think you've got the right guy. I was pulling a Moses is what I was doing when he talked to God at the burning bush, but God wouldn't leave me alone about it, okay, because he wants us to rely on him. See, God has given you certain talents and abilities that he wants you to use for him, but guess what? God will grow you beyond what you can do naturally on your own because he wants you to rely on him, You see, he wants to grow you. And folks, if we don't step out of our comfort zones sometimes, we'll never grow. Since I used a baby bird analogy a little bit ago, I'll use another one. That's exactly why mother birds kick their babies out of the nest at some point. Because if they don't spread their wings and try to fly, they will not survive. So they need to spread their wings and do what's uncomfortable and scary to them at first. And then they grow and they flourish and they become all that God created them to be. And when you spread your wings and do some things that maybe are uncomfortable for you at first because God's calling you to do them, then you grow and you become all that God has created you to be. But... If you have that mindset, well, God can't use humble little me. That's not humble. It's prideful. Because you're not putting your confidence in God. You're putting it in yourself. Hallelujah. Now, listen. For those of you that may have stepped out before and failed, it didn't work out somehow. Well, that doesn't mean it's over. I want to encourage you this morning. That doesn't mean it's over. Look at the screen. I've got a quote here for you from Thomas Edison who said, when you have exhausted all possibilities, remember this, you haven't. (laughs) When he was working on his invention of the light bulb, by the way, just a little historical side note, I, I, I read, and I didn't know this, growing up I always was taught that Thomas Edison um, invented the light bulb. Um, he didn't invent it, he perfected it. 
um, and the, the inventions that he was work on, working on in perfecting it, and I can't, and I can't remember exactly what he did to perfect it. I'm not that uh, read up on Thomas Edison, but I know this much. He had something like 700 experiments that failed. How much was it? It was 2,000? I'm obviously not as well read as I thought. 2,000. Thank you, Mark. 2,000 experiments on the light bulb that failed. And someone interviewed him one time and said, um, so what about these 2,000 experiments that you've done and they've all failed? And he said, I haven't done 2,000 experiments that failed. And the inter interviewer said, what are you talking about? He said, I found out 2,000 ways that it wouldn't work. <laughs> and now I'm ready to move on and discover what will work. He got checked those off of his list. You know, process of elimination. I mean, that's the way we need to think. That's the way we need to think. Okay? When you have exhausted all possibilities, remember this, you haven't. So if you've tried and you've stepped out in faith and maybe stumbled or failed somehow, don't let that discourage you. You just found out one way it won't work. Pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and go for it again. And God will bless that perseverance. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs that a righteous man may fall seven times, but he rises again and goes for it again. Praise God. See, folks, listen, God is a God of limitless possibilities. Limitless. And he's also a God, listen, he's also a God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances etc., etc. He's a God of great mercy and patience. And that's what I love about Peter because he was, a, he was just an impetuous, cocky, loud-mouthed, impatient person who talked sometimes when he shouldn't have. Rebuked Jesus on one occasion, as a matter of fact. And I just, you know, I identify so much with him because I love his perseverance, he, he blew it so many times, but he, he got back up and he went for it again. He's the guy, he's the only one of the disciples that walked on the water with Jesus. So, folks, no matter how many times you've blown it, no matter how many times you've disappointed yourself, um, you can be like Peter. And in spite of all your shortcomings, in spite of your mistakes, you can walk on the water, as it were, with Jesus. And Jesus will say, Come on. Let's do this thing. It's all about faith. It's not about your past mistakes. It's not about your merits. It's about your faith. It's about your confidence in God, ladies and gentlemen. So don't give up on yourself because God has not given up on you. He sent me to tell you this morning, He has not given up on you. Hallelujah. I'm going to end with this quote right here. J.C. Ryle said, Pride is the oldest and most common of sins. Humility is the rarest and most beautiful of graces. Now, one of the things I want to say in closing before we pray here is that one of the things since we talked about mistakes here a little bit this morning and your, your past foibles like Peter 
One of the things that those mistakes do for you, as it did for Peter, is it can make you more humble. You blow it and you go, yeah, that's a good reminder. I'm just flesh and bone. But my strength is in the Lord. Praise God. Let's stand and pray. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Andy Robbins and Blessed Life Fellowship. For more teaching and ministry resources, go to the church website at www.blessedlifefellowship.org. Thanks for listening, and may God's grace and favor shine on you.